What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, a.k.a. Mike D. And today's episode will be a mix of nostalgia, overall just feeling like we're going back and reliving times from our childhood but now as adults because we will be talking about movies that will make you feel like a kid again we'll pair that with a review of the new sonic the hedgehog movie the sequel to the movie that came out in 2020 and then we'll bring it all full circle in the trailer park we're talking about the new minions movie so if you've come looking from an escape to all your real adult problems, you've come to the right place. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Shout out to the Monday Morning Movie Crew. You already know what it is. Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So what I want to share with you today is a list of movies I put together that will make you feel like a kid again. Some of these are sequels to movies that came out when I was a kid. Other ones are reboots that came much after the originals. And in some of these, they just kind of invoke this emotion that reminded me of another movie or just another style of movie that was popular when I was a kid. And watching these movies as an adult, I just had that feeling again of like everything in the world doesn't really matter because I'm here in this movie theater watching this movie. And it's hard to get that feeling again, especially when you go watch a drama or you go watch anything that has any kind of resemblance of real life and I think that's why I like movies set in you know superhero and fantasy because it's the greatest escape and I think Hollywood knows what they are doing when they make movies based on video games that we played as a kid they reboot them you know years later because now that we're adults I don't have kids but you bring your kids and expose them to these type of movies so it all kind of comes full circle you're like hey you want to see this thing that was popular when I was a kid 
and it just introduces a whole new fan base and, you know, can bring back life to a franchise that otherwise was gone. So we'll get into some movies here. And just for reference, if you're a new listener, I was born in 1991, so I'm 30 years old. I feel like the formative years of my movie watching experience came in the mid 90s to early 2000s. So now it's all those movies that were popular then that are being rebooted now. So I want to go starting the furthest back to the first movie I remember making me feel like a kid again. And it was from 2010. Toy Story 3. I was still a teenager, 19 years old, but this was the first time I really remember Disney bringing back a old franchise that myself, along with everybody else born in the 90s, was now much older, but was going to go watch this movie no matter what. And it was that first time I kind of had that dilemma of, am I too old to be going to watch this movie by myself? But then you see everybody online posting that Billy Madison meme of like, this is me going to watch the new Toy Story movie. And then you realize, no, there are a lot of people like me. And I felt like Toy Story 3 had the perfect timing coming 15 years after the original one. And it had that perfect story of Andy growing up, going to college and deciding what to do with his old toys. I was kind of in that similar part of my life. I was already in college. So even though this movie was meant for kids... It was directly playing into the people who were a fan of it when they were kids. And for all those reasons, Toy Story 3 is a very nostalgic-filled watch and overall just a very big emotional journey, taking you all the way to that final scene of feeling like your childhood is about to be burned to the ground. So even watching it now still makes me feel emotional and still makes me feel like a kid again. Next up on my list, I have from 2011, The Muppet Movie. And I think Muppet movies are very highly underrated. When I was a kid, even they were a little bit before my time, but I remember getting the VHS tapes at garage sales. And the movies that kind of shaped my early introduction to the Muppets were Muppet Treasure Island, Muppets from Space, and the classic Muppet Christmas Carol. And what the Muppet movie in 2011 did was kind of that classic let's round up the gang again and there's just something fun about that formula of bringing back together all these classic characters on another big adventure that brings back all those memories and i feel like in the 2010s the muppets kind of had a little bit of a revival with this movie i was also a fan of the abc sitcom they had that was back in 2015 And I feel like they're in that kind of category of Sesame Street, Looney Tunes, all of those characters that have been with us for generations and just kind of rise and fall in popularity. But I thought the movie did a really good job with Jason Segel and Amy Adams of making it feel like a fresh modern take, but also still making the Muppets the star of the movie. The follow-up to this, Muppets Most Wanted, didn't really have that same kind of feeling, so maybe that's why they haven't made any more of this. And I just kind of wish that that second one would have had a little bit more success, so we could have got a third. But that is definitely a franchise that'll take you back. Next up on my list, I have Wreck-It Ralph. And the reason this one made me feel like a kid is because I think Disney knew exactly what they were doing when making this movie with all the video game references. And the cool thing about Wreck-It Ralph is it didn't really have any kind of rules on what kind of video games they could make references to, what characters they could put into this movie. There's just nothing more nostalgic than 80s and 90s arcade games. But not only that, there's just a really great story here, a lot of great voice acting. But the animation itself is so bright and bubbly and fun to watch, but it also has... The character development that, you know, 
you forget a little bit that you're watching an animated movie because the story is so good here. And I credit that to the overall story in the Wreck-It Ralph movies. And I love the first one and had that same kind of feeling again with Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet. John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, so good together. And then a couple years after that, a movie I was really excited for it was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action reboot came out in 2014. You know, you had Michael Bay back behind this one from Nickelodeon Studios. And it wasn't the first time they tried to reboot it. I feel like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have had a lot of reincarnations over the years. Seven years before this, they had just the animated TMNT movie, which was all right. But I think we were all kind of wanting that live action reboot again. And I love the original trilogy so much that I don't care how many times they reboot TMNT. I'm going to watch it again. And I'm always just going to judge it very critically because the original movies are just so authentic and so 90s. The animatronics and the practical effects in those movies are what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie should be. But why do I think that? It's because they were popular when I was a kid in the movies that I watched over and over again. So obviously, when you take that away and you bring in CGI huge turtles that really have no kind of emotional appeal to them. They're just big and bulky superheroes at this point. It just takes that I'm invested in these characters aspect because it doesn't really feel real anymore. I feel like if you did practical effects, maybe kids now would think that's lame. So you got to throw in a bunch of graphics and a bunch of special effects and you take away all kind of the fun, cheesy fight scenes and throw in just a bunch of explosions, people falling off of buildings. And it just kind of turns into a Transformers movie, but under the umbrella with these, you know, licensed characters is how I felt about that. Not to say I still didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but it all kind of still brought back that feeling of like still loving these characters feeling like a kid again because how often do you get to say that you watch the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie in theaters? Sometimes these movies are just fun to anticipate and give me that feeling again. The next movie I want to talk about is from 2016, Finding Dory, the follow-up to Finding Nemo, which came out in 2003. And Finding Nemo is probably one of the Pixar movies I've seen the most just because it came out at a time that DVD sales were everything. And in every classroom I was in, the teacher had a copy of Finding Nemo. So if we ever had a movie day, we were probably watching Finding Nemo. I remember even watching it in Spanish class. We would just change the language from English to Spanish and suddenly it was educational. But here you are in 2016 and you finally get that Finding Nemo sequel. And now you're trying to find Dory. And it's not often that Pixar does sequels, but when they do, they wait a long time to do them. And they only do them with the movies that have just kind of laid the groundwork on what you associate with Pixar. I feel like they were kind of going for the same emotional roller coaster that Toy Story 3 was just years before this. I don't feel like it landed the exact same way. They kind of made the exact same movie again, which isn't bad. It, it's still a very good, enjoyable movie, but it didn't feel like the continuation of the entire Finding Nemo story. I think that's why we love the Toy Story franchise so much, because each one has its own identity. It's another step in the entire story. But Finding Nemo to Finding Dory 
just feels like the same story being told again. But also I have to take into consideration that I'm now 25 years old and not 12 years old anymore watching Finding Dory. So I think what it really did and the important thing is that it exposed an entire new generation to what the franchise is and maybe Finding Dory was their first introduction into it and went back and watched Finding Nemo. I just start to think about Knowing the age difference and the time gap between those two movies, kids now will go back and watch Finding Nemo and think the animation is so old and say things like, when was this movie made? And remembering that at the time when that came out, that animation was amazing to us. I think that's coming. And if you do watch some of the Pixar movies now on Disney+, Plus, they have remastered them. So they're a lot crisper and brighter and the animation looks a little bit more updated, but it just reminds me of when I would watch movies from the 80s and be like, what are these special effects? That is now the movies of the 2000s. So just let that sink in before I get to this next movie. All right, now that we're done feeling old, the next movie that made me feel like a kid again because it brought back, I would say is the first franchise I remember being a fan of, and it is the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That is the first thing I remember watching and loving and wanting a toy, wanting a t-shirt, being so obsessed with. To my earliest memory of being a nerd, that is what I was a nerd of. I watched the TV show on Fox Kids when that original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie came out in 1995. I had to be there. It was like the movie that my entire existence was based on. And Power Rangers have stayed relevant and had this fan base for a very long time since the 90s. I still think that first movie in 1995 was the best one. It had most of the original cast from the TV show. I still find myself quoting that movie randomly, whether it be a phrase from Ivan News or just something like it's Morphin Time. So when the movie in 2017 was announced, I wasn't even hesitant about it. I was just so excited to see another Power Rangers movie on the big screen And to be able to go back and remember that part of my life that I didn't care how terrible it was going to be because, to be honest, I had pretty low expectations going into it coming off of movies like the TMNT. And it kind of had that same feeling when I watched the trailer of a very kind of glossy special effects. The Power Rangers suits and the Megazord had that Transformers look. So everything leading up to it. I was like, I I just feel like it's going to be that movie again, but I really don't care. And although the movie was a little bit of a flop, you know, it had a big budget of $105 million and made $146 worldwide, but not a whole lot in the U.S. alone. It wasn't really the reboot they were looking for. I still thought it was a fun movie. And I ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I was going to. I think where they had it a little bit wrong was the casting. It felt a little bit all over the place. Even though I love Elizabeth Banks, I didn't really love her as Rita Repulsa. Brian Cranston as Zordon was fine. But I just think all of the Power Rangers, the actual cast members, were a little bit forgettable. Especially when you compare them to that original cast to still have a following to this day because we all remember them as those characters. I think the Pink Ranger was like my first crush I ever had. Probably a lot of other kids too. And even though it didn't make as much money as they were hoping, I'm still hopeful that someday it'll get a sequel. It's been talked about here and there, but all kind of rumors up to this point. 
but I think it was a little bit edgier than people were expecting. The violence was a little bit more ramped up. So it wasn't entirely geared towards kids. So maybe that ended up hurting the movie a little bit. It's kind of like, who is this movie for? You have these, you know, people in their 20s and 30s watching this movie and it's not entirely geared towards them, but also not entirely geared towards kids. What do you do with it? The next movie wasn't a reboot. It wasn't a video game. It wasn't a TV show, but it is Ready Player One from 2018. And I largely credit the emotion this movie gave to me based on the fact that it was directed by Steven Spielberg and he knows kind of how to invoke those emotions out of viewers. How to make you feel that same way you did when you watched E.T. You kind of get that feeling again with Ready Player One. It just has this big cinematic quality to it, the big epic scenes, you rooting for the character here. And it's all done in this kind of dystopian futuristic world in the not so distant future that gave it this really nice touch to it and there are some video game references obviously in this movie but it feels very modernized and futuristic but the movie itself is based on a book not a video game so I think this kind of tugged at my heartstrings in an entirely different way than all these other movies I've been talking about because it didn't really just bring back a memory from my childhood it brought the actual sentiment of watching a movie with fresh eyes, of watching a movie for the sake of just loving watching movies, it brought that back with an entirely whole new franchise that I'm very much looking forward to, the sequel, Ready Player Two. And this would probably make my list of one of my favorite movies from the last 10 years, top 20, maybe even top 15. So if you haven't seen this one yet, you can watch it on HBO Max right now. If you're into sci-fi, if you're into action-adventure, and if you're into gaming and haven't watched this movie yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Watch it before the sequel comes out. The next one on my list is from 2019, and it is Booksmart. Another one that's entirely different from any other movie on this list. And the reason this movie made me feel like I was a kid again, because it reminded me so much of Superbad from 2007. That's greatly due to it having a very similar plot, movie that takes place entirely within the span of 24 hours, all leading up to this epic moment that they've built up in their head, this big old party. I just feel like it's this generation super bad. And in a day and age now to where I've been talking about, I don't feel like there are great comedies coming out. This one is very much an exception to the rule. And maybe this one didn't deliver in the same way that Superbad had all these memorable creative quotes that we all would recite every single day at like school after watching this movie. Or maybe it was because Jonah Hill's sister, Beanie Feldstein, was actually in this movie. There were just so many parallels to Superbad and Booksmart. It just kind of felt like the sequel without getting the sequel. Just all those feelings of not being popular in high school came rushing back after watching this movie. A few more movies I want to talk about here. I was saying earlier how the first thing I was ever really a fan of was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers I'd say the second thing that took over my childhood was, you know, later in the 90s when Pokemon came out. I was all Pokemon all the time. And for so long, I just wanted them to make a live action Pokemon movie. I even remember distinctively having a dream in which this cool real life Pokemon movie came out. And I remember that dream, but I never really got that movie. There were the animated movies in the 90s and the early 2000s, which I liked. But I couldn't believe that they never just made one. 
And it was years later in 2019 where we got Detective Pikachu. And I didn't love the concept when I heard about it. I didn't know why they wouldn't just make that movie I'd wanted to see my entire life. Just a straight up Ash Ketchum finds Pikachu on his journey to be the greatest Pokemon trainer in the world. Instead, we had this story of Pikachu voiced by Ryan Reynolds and them trying to solve a mystery. But everything leading up to this movie, they kind of did all those same things and promotions that they did around the first Pokemon movie that made it that exciting again. When I went to see the movie in theaters, they even did the exact same thing of giving you a card that you could only get by going to watch the movie. So I just straight up felt like I was that pimply faced kid again, trading Pokemon cards. And overall, I really enjoyed the movie. I love that they included a lot of the original Pokemon from the 151. I thought the world they created and the design of the characters worked pretty well. Not as good as I had in my dream back in the day, but I'll take it. And I think there are a few recent movies that have given me this feeling that I have talked about on the podcast in depth. Obviously, Spider-Man No Way Home for obvious reasons. I actually just picked up the Blu-ray to that. It's been a very long time since I've gone out and bought a Blu-ray. I didn't just want to own it digitally. For some reason, I had the urge to go and buy a physical copy of this because I felt like it was just this little piece of movie history that I wanted to own. I tried to get like a special edition steelbook, but they were entirely sold out. So I just settled for the Blu-ray. It's been a very long time since I put a disc in a hole. And I just wanted that feeling again with Spider-Man No Way Home. But for obvious reasons... That movie probably made us all feel like kids again. And just this year, turning red from Pixar with its 2000s references, the anime style animation. That movie did a really good job of that. And then also the Adam Project on Netflix gave me the same feelings that I did when I watched E.T., Goonies, any kind of big adventure sci-fi movie. I feel like that movie will be some kid's favorite and they'll be doing a movie podcast in 20 years and talking about how cool that movie was when they were a kid. And then finally, I'll wrap it up with the movie that kind of inspired this entire topic from 2020, Sonic the Hedgehog, the live action movie based on the video game that we all loved and played as a kid. Arguably one of the best films of 2020 when the entire world shut down. This movie remained, in my eyes, the winner for Best Picture. It should have been, at least in the category, because it was one of the only movies to come out and have its full run. And I'll get into it a little bit more in my review of Sonic 2. But what I thought Sonic 1 did so well, and what other video game adaptations could learn from it, is it had subtle references to the video game and the cartoon without feeling forced and without feeling cheesy. It became its own movie, had its own identity, but also gave those little treats and little things that you know fans of that TV show and the video game respected. But at the same time, looking down the road of how are we going to turn this into an actual franchise? And there are often other times where video game adaptations get made and it doesn't feel like the video game at all. It just kind of becomes an afterthought and you're really just using the name to make a generic movie. That wasn't the case with Sonic. It was a really fun ride. They got the character design right after a bunch of people complained about the eyes looking weird and alien-like. Made it look more like the video game, more like the Sonic the Hedgehog we know. So I wasn't expecting to like Sonic the Hedgehog Part 1 as much as I did. Much less that I would be at a point two years later that I was excited to see the sequel. So did the sequel live up to the original? 
Well, I'll give you that review right after this. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Gonna get into it now. My spoiler-free review of Sonic the Hedgehog 2. A movie as a 30-year-old dude was a little bit too excited to see this sequel. And I would have to say it lived up to my expectations because I kind of realized pretty early on in this movie that it was really geared a lot more towards kids in this one. They kind of got us as adults coming back to this franchise, coming back to wanting to see more of this character that we all love playing the video game. But I think they did it in a way that was still enjoyable for me, still made me feel like a kid again. Before I get into my full review, here's just a little bit of the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 trailer. Robotnik is back. <laughs> Hedgehog. This is your moment to be the big hero. Bad time to say this, but I don't actually have a plan. Hey, you got a little something on your... Uh, nice. Someone call an Uber? It's cold in here. Let's turn up the heat. So what this movie is about, you have Sonic the Hedgehog returning... You don't really have to watch the first one to get into this one. All you kind of have to know, you learn at the very beginning of the movie. He beat Dr. Robotnik, send him into this mushroom planet in isolation. He's able to escape and in that process brings back Knuckles, who is a rival of Sonic and wants to take him down. And that's where this whole movie kind of takes place. It's Sonic and Knuckles fighting. They're all trying to find this powerful emerald that you may know from the video game and then you have the introduction of Tails as well who has been watching Sonic from afar and came to warn him but now is his sidekick and his new friend. So nothing overly complicated in the plot that 
you would miss out by not watching the first one. But I did feel this one leaned more into appealing to kids. And I get that. I felt like the jokes were probably better in this one. A little bit more cheesy, but also just still funny. But what I thought they did a really good job at is even though it was geared towards a younger demographic, it didn't really play down or talk down to the audience. It almost felt like a Marvel movie, just with a little bit less realistic violence. Like you still had all those same kind of qualities and the story kind of follows along with Sonic wanting to be a hero, basically wanting to be a superhero from the opening sequence of the movie. It's much like you would see in like an Iron Man or even like a Batman. He is trying to be that, but he's an eight year old kid. And what I did really like about it and the kind of sentiment that I took from this is it dealt with Sonic feeling like a weirdo a little bit more in the first one. But now in this one, he's kind of accepted it a little bit. And now he just wants to go from being a weirdo to being a hero and using his abilities and his strengths to kind of save the day now. And then when he meets Tails, who has also felt that similar way that Sonic has, I think it has a really good message there of embracing the things that make you weird, embracing the things that make you different and using them to your advantage, not being afraid to have those things hold you back. That's really the kind of message I took from this animated blue character. So I thought that aspect and that storytelling was more than I was expecting from this movie. I thought the special effects were great. But what I did love is all the callbacks and references to the video game, whether it be just the music they use in the background, like they'll use some of this in there, and they'll use just things from the TV show too, like Sonic's love for chili dogs. And then you have the two main characters that really bring this entire movie together. Ben Schwartz returns as the voice of Sonic, and he really kind of leans more into the character in this movie. thought he did a really great job improving the voice from the first one to the second one. I still think my favorite voice actor to do Sonic is Jaleel White from The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. Chili dogs. Is there anything else? But I really like Ben Schwartz as Sonic. And then you have Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik a.k.a. Dr. Eggman. And as weird as it is to see Jim Carrey in this role, it's also not weird at the same time because he does play characters, you know, just looking back on his entire movie catalog where he does get into costume, play some weird people. Just feels a little bit of an unusual casting, but it works. And if this is his last movie as an actor, so be it. And then you also have the addition of Idris Elba as Knuckles in this. So overall, just a pretty strong cast. And even my wife, who went to go watch it with me, who hadn't seen the first one, wasn't really looking forward to going to watch a movie like this, ended up enjoying it too. Probably not her favorite movie, but she didn't leave hating it. And then the thing that brought it all together for me was the movie soundtrack. And usually, at least lately... Whenever a song is written for a movie or featured in a movie, I always find that relationship to feel very unauthentic and very corporate. They just get a big artist to make a song. They pay him a lot of money. It doesn't really connect any way to the movie. Maybe they do a music video where they do some cutscenes to the movie. And it just feels like here's one piece of artwork existing in this space. And here's another one 
they just never really feel unified. And I think the songs that we go on to remember and associate with movies are ones that are able to go a step further. And their actual use in the movie ties the whole thing together, not just slapped on the credits. And I really liked Kid Cudi's song from this movie. Here's a little bit of his song, Stars in the Sky. I love the use of it in the movie. It was played towards the beginning and then again towards the end. And very often times that I will add a song from a movie soundtrack onto my personal playlist. And that song has now been added. I think the last movie I did that for was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And the song was Sunflower by Post Malone. I mean, it could also be a factor that I'm also a fan of Kid Cudi. So kind of cool to see him get that exposure. I was just looking at the YouTube comments underneath the music video and a lot of people were saying you know i don't really like kid cuddy's music but i actually like this song so also just cool for him and he also just probably made a lot of money off of that song so now when it comes to rating this movie obviously i weight this movie a little different than a drama a little different than an art house movie this obviously is a movie geared towards kids so i'm kind of holding it to those standards. So I'm rating this one a little bit more off the feeling it gave me, the enjoyment it gave me of just being able to turn my brain off and watch a fun movie that reminded me of this video game I love playing on Sega and this Saturday morning cartoon that I used to watch. So it probably would have been like a 3, 3.5, but it gave me something that I wasn't expecting. And I almost feel like somebody at Marvel could learn a lot from this movie. There's a space I think they're missing out on of not having movies that are geared directly towards kids. And with all the Avengers movies, you know, all those character movies, they are made for really everybody. And the fact they're superheroes are really the only tie-in that kids go watch them. Some of them are a lot more adult than you would expect going into watching a Marvel movie. But this movie didn't play down to its audience. Yes, the jokes were a little bit, you know, cheesy and family-friendly, but it gave you those same kind of big moments that you would expect out of a Marvel movie, just kind of scaled back on the grit. So I really think the thing that will deter other people from watching this is any kind of hesitation to watch something geared towards kids. But yes, it's just a really well done movie. So I would give Sonic the Hedgehog 2 4 out of 5 gold rings. So there you go. Probably so far one of just the funnest theater watching movie going experiences I've had. And if they make a Sonic 3, I'm down for it. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I break down a movie trailer of a film coming to you very soon in theaters or streaming online in a segment we call... It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. And keeping the theme alive here, today I want to talk about The Rise of Gru, which is basically Minions Part 2, the follow-up to the movie that came out back in 2015. And this movie has been trying to come out for a very long time now. It was supposed to come out the summer of 2020, then got pushed back to the summer of 2021, and is now expected, if all goes according to plan, it will come out on July 1st, 2022. Before I get into breaking down this trailer, here's just a little bit of Minions, The Rise of Gru. Minions! There are a lot of other villains in the world, but I am going to be a super villain. This world is mine for the taking. Make me king as we move toward a new world order. This puny little child thinks he can be a villain. I am pretty despicable. So this trailer actually played before I went to go see Sonic. It was, you know, part of all the trailers they played. And I don't know why I found it so funny when they showed the Minions butt. Like, still at 30 years old, a cartoon butt is still hilarious to me. And I laughed out loud and my wife is like, what is wrong with you? But there's just something about the Minions because they're so undeniably cute weird and funny that's obviously why the despicable me movies were so successful they were able to get their spin-off movie and now a sequel to that movie and i think illumination movies are a little bit hit or miss some other ones include like the secret life of pets sing they have the new super mario movie coming out soon also did movies like the lorax but overall despicable me has been like their franchise and what this movie is about it's a 12 year old Gru growing up in the suburbs and he is trying to interview to be a part of this vicious six and become their newest member but i feel like overall the movie focuses a lot on the minions and hopefully a little bit less than the movie from 2015 did because I think while we do find the minions so funny in the Despicable Me movies when they have their full-on solo movie I feel like it's a little bit too much minions it's kind of like in theory a bowl of all marshmallow Lucky Charms sounds delicious you start eating first couple bites and you're like this is amazing all marshmallows no crappy oats in this bowl but you keep eating and you keep eating and by the end of it you're a little bit sick of it it's too much sweet 
too much of a good thing. And that's kind of how I felt watching that first Minions movie. But you have Steve Carell back. You also have Jean-Claude Van Damme, Russell Brand, Julie Andrews, all a part of this movie. So basically, this movie kind of ensures that we will be having to deal with our relatives posting memes of the Minions for years to come. So whether this movie performs well or not, that's what we have to look forward to. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for another week here on the podcast. And what I do at the end of every podcast, you ask? Well, I give a listener shout out. You can find all the ways to reach me in the description of this podcast, basically at Mike Deistro on every single platform. Or you can send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And that's where this week's listener shout out is coming to you from. It is from Jill, who actually wrote in about the episode a couple weeks back where I accidentally said Tom Hanks instead of Tom Cruise when talking about Top Gun Maverick. I feel like that's not the first time I've done that, but appreciate you, Jill, for catching that and knowing that I meant Tom Cruise, not Tom Hanks. But Jill also suggested that I should do a podcast episode with hilarious options for lead roles in classic movies. So maybe that's something I do down the line. Because just thinking about it now, I think I may actually find Top Gun more enjoyable if it was Tom Hanks and not Tom Cruise. So thanks, Jill, for sending in that email and some other people who did correct me on that. There are so many Toms and sometimes I just get them confused. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. I will talk to you next week here on the podcast. And until then, go out and watch good movies. Later. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.